edition for the Wise Up Podcast. This is your host, Ezra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up is my platform to educate the South Asian and Muslim communities about Texas and national politics. You can check out my Wise Up Facebook page, follow me on Twitter at Wise Up, find my podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, along with my weekly segment on Radio Zod every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Become educated, get wiser, start giving a hoot. Today's segment is called Bill's Topagalhe. Yes, it is a pun off of Bill Topagalhe, a very famous movie with Shahrukh Khan and Madhuri. And I wanted to talk about the crazy bills that come up during the Texas legislative session and how a bill becomes law. But first, I'm going to be discussing the political news of the week. So in Texas, we had local elections on May 7th, which was this past Saturday, and I had discussed some of the South Asians that were running for political office. Unfortunately, none of them were elected, but I want to commend them for their great effort in you know, running for political office and trying to get our community's voices out there. But I wanted to give the results in Houston, the new uh, representative that will be taking over Mayor Sylvester Turner's seat is going to be Jarvis D. Johnson. In Sugarland, your new mayor is Joe Zimmerman. And in the Dallas area, I'm going to start with Irving. I had discussed three candidates that would be more about diversity, more inclusive, and they were Alan Meager, John Danish, and Chad Taylor. And it seems like they've won their city council seats, so that's exciting news. Hopefully they'll follow up with their promise of being more inclusive of the South Asian and Muslim communities. And in Frisco, um, we had two South Asians running, one in city council, one in for the ISD seat, and unfortunately they both didn't win, but again, want to commend them on their excellent effort. And in Austin, Texas, Proposition 1, which was about Uber and Lyft, it failed. So Uber and Lyft have said that they plan to withdraw from the city of Austin, which happened on Monday. And it seems like it's going to be a very contentious issue in the Texas legislature. It's going to come down to local control and state government. And a lot of people felt that Uber and Lyft were being very greedy in not wanting to comply with this city measures of fingerprinting background checks, whereas a lot of people felt the city was being, I guess, going back to the Stone Ages and not allowing innovation and technology to um, grow in the city of Austin. And so I think it's going to be a huge issue in the Texas legislature because Uber operates in so many different cities besides Austin, uh, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and in some of the cities in the panhandle. So I think this is something that we should, you know, keep an eye out for because I think in the Texas legislative session, it's really going to come up. Uber tried this past legislative session and was unable to get what they wanted. So I think they're going to lobby really hard this session. So just to let you know, that's something to look out for. Moving on, a Sikh advocacy group wants criminal charges to be filed against three people who restrained two fellow Greyhound bus passengers in Amarillo, Texas, and called 911 to report them as terrorists. Uh, This is reported by the Texas Tribune. This is a very unfortunate event. Uh, The Jamba Juice Company, 
who is currently residing in California, will be relocating their headquarters to Frisco, Texas. So that's some pretty great news for the state of Texas. Moving on to national news, uh, the Indiana primary was last week, and Ted Cruz lost against Donald Trump, and so did John Kasich. They have both decided to drop out of the race, and it looks like Donald Trump is a presumptive Republican nominee. Uh, Rick Perry, who is a former governor of Texas, who insulted Donald Trump uh, during the primary season, is now um, willing to stand behind Trump and be considered as a vice presidential candidate. Our governor, Governor Abbott, and our lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, are going to rally around Donald Trump and have said that we should support him um, against who they believe the presumptive nominee is going to be Hillary Clinton. Uh, the Speaker of the House for the United States, Paul Ryan, and the Speaker of the House for the Texas House of Representatives, Strauss, are not willing to do so just yet. They're stating that they're waiting to see how Donald Trump is really going to unite the Republican Party and kind of watch how he does it before they endorse him. The Bushes, both former presidents, are also silent and are unwilling to endorse Donald Trump. Uh, Mitt Romney is also unwilling to endorse Donald Trump. There's been some talk that he may be asked to run as an independent. So it doesn't seem like Donald Trump is getting all of, I guess, the more um, prominent Republican uh, politicians, um, nominees, or support. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how Donald Trump is going to um, kind of amend that fracture that is happening within the party. And on to a little bit of international news. While America is dealing with our own political situation, which has been very interesting to say the least, the city of London elected their first Muslim and South Asian mayor, Sadiq Khan. He's a son of a bus driver and a seamstress. His parents immigrated to London from Pakistan. Um, of course, he dealt with bigoted remarks from his opponent and the current prime minister of England. But in the end, as Mayor Khan says, it's a victory for hope over fear and for unity over division. Let's hope America can also follow in London's footsteps in November. Moving on, um, real quickly, I wanted to discuss uh, about two weeks ago, the LBJ Library, which is located at UT Austin, um, had a Vietnam War summit, and they commemorated the 50th year since uh, Vietnam, the war began. And I was fortunate enough to uh, get tickets to listen on, listen in on um, Henry Kissinger, who was the former Secretary of, S of State under President Nixon, and Secretary John Kerry speak. And I learned some interesting things that I would like to share to my listeners. So a little bit of background. The uh, Vietnam War was one of the most controversial periods in our country's history, and it's still considered a very painful memory for memory. It's still considered a very painful memory for many, excuse me, especially our veterans. It became such a controversial war, and it was mainly to fight communism. And because so many people um, started dying, it became very unpopular. And then it seems like when the veterans came back, they weren't celebrated or hailed as heroes as the past two world wars had done so for our veterans. So I think that is one of the main reasons it was so controversial. So starting with um, Henry Kissinger, um, he is a controversial figure. There were definitely many people protesting about 
him being a war criminal. And whether you love him or hate him, he's been pivotal in shaping what our foreign policy is today. I thought he had an interesting point when he said, talking about the current foreign affairs, is how Afghanistan and Iraq wars that we didn't know how to rebuild a nation after taking away their current form of government, and that's why we're having a tough time to get out. I think that's a very valid contention, and that's something that's really been affecting our foreign policy today. And Secretary Kerry, who I think it was kind of interesting to know how, you know, he attained three Purple Hearts and a silver and a bronze medal for his, um, while he was um, in the Vietnam War as a soldier, and he was one of the biggest advocates against the war once he came back, and um, he brought up a really great point about don't ever confuse the war with the warriors, especially those who volunteer and are trying to keep us safe. And I like this point because while many of us haven't agreed with the current wars and foreign policy of America, our military still deserves our respect. So in Vietnam, the soldiers fought and died because the war was so unpopular. They were treated very badly while silently suffering from PTSD. And he also spoke about how this administration is working more towards diplomatic talks before military engagement to avoid what's happened in Vietnam and Iraq. And I think a lot of that has to do because, one, it costs a lot of money to engage in wars and, you know, putting our soldiers out there in these dangerous situations. Sometimes it hasn't worked out for the best as we've seen in these previous wars. But that was just two of the main points that I really took away from those those talks. And I found them to be really interesting and I really enjoyed listening to uh, them about them discussing about foreign policy in America. So anyways, that's the news of the week and my experience of the Vietnam War Summit. Let's move on to my main part of the segment, which is Bill Stilpoggle, hey? You know those crazy bills. And I'm going to sit and discuss with you how a bill passes in Texas and what are the things that we can do when we want to stop a bill that we hear about in the news. So first of all, why is it important to know this? So I think it's very important so that we can follow along to see the legislation that helps and or harms our community. So many of us find out about bad bills when they've already passed and we're unsure of how the process works. As a former intern on the Texas Senate side and a legislative director on the Texas House side, I hope to provide y'all a brief overview of how the process works. So first of all, you should know that the Texas legislature legislature convenes every two years, so it's an odd number of years, so 2011, 2013, up 2015, and upcoming 2017, for about six months, and they work for six months, January till end of May, like June 1st, to pass the budget and other various bills. So I'm going to give an example of a bill. Let's consider it the budget bill and use it throughout the segment. So it's going to be HB1, House Bill 1. And so when a bill gets um, its name, like HB or SB, HB means House Bill, SB means Senate Bill. So I'm going to start with the Texas House side. So session starts January of 2017, but in the months before, the legislative staff begins researching and vetting bills. 
So some are brought in by their constituents or their ideas of the politician or some lobbyist groups brings in a bill or it's the idea of this legislative staff and they start researching it, they vet the bills. So that's why a lot of times people will come up with these great ideas in like March, but it's way too late to bring a bill forward unless you have all of that information done for the staff. So if you have a bill that you think of that could really help your community and your neighbors, it's something to discuss with your legislator now because even though elections are coming up in November, a lot of times the incumbent usually wins and so they'll probably most likely stay in office. So it's something to start discussing with your legislator now so that their staff can start researching the bill and doing all the vetting and the information uh, so that they're prepared by the time they file the bill. So just to let you know, there are over 6,000 bills filed each session. So that's a lot of bills. So once the staff have decided on a bill, they will file the bill in January. It's then assigned a bill number. So it's usually assigned by the num like in order of the w way it's filed. So HB1, and that's the first bill filed, for example. So one session begins mid-January. The bill is read on the House or Senate floor and assigned to a committee. And usually it's the Speaker of the House or the Lieutenant Governor who presides over the Senate that is going to assign the committee that it goes to. So in case you're wondering what a committee is, there's a variety of them. There's, you know, the Finance Committee, the, uh, it's usually Senate side, Health and Human Services, Education, Criminal Jurisprudence, Ways and Means, which deals with taxes, Appropriations, which deals with the budget, transportation, etc., etc. There's a ton of committees out in there, and each legislature is, each, um, excuse me, representative is assigned to at least one committee, maybe two, three, or four. It depends on their ranking. And each committee has about five to 14 people, depending on the importance of the committee and the, how important the issue is, and each has a chairman or a chairwoman. So once the bill has been read on the House floor and assigned to a committee, the po politician who owns the bill or has filed the bill goes to the chair of that particular committee to ask for a hearing. So for example, on the budget bill, they would go to the chair of appropriations and say, hey, representative or chairman, chairwoman, so-and-so, I would like for you to hear my bill. It'd be great, etc., etc. And usually they give you a hearing. At the hearing, the representative talks about the bill and answers any questions the committee has. They discuss the fiscal implications, and they also bring up witnesses for the bill. There are those who may oppose the bill, and they are more than welcome to testify as well. So after all of that is done, the committee takes a vote on the bill, and with a majority of vote, it can leave committee and go to the calendars committee. So the calendars committee decides when a bill gets sent to the House floor, when it's on the calendar, basically. So let's say HB1 gets approved by the calendars committee, and it gets sent to the House floor. And then there's a schedule that comes out. It's open to the public when the bill will be on the floor. So that's a time when you can, you know, call your legislator and say, hey, I saw this bill is coming out on the floor. I, I'm opposed to it. I'm, a, I'm for it. And that's when you can tell your legislator how you'd like for them to vote. So on the House floor, the representative reads their bill. Other representatives can ask questions. They can debate about it. And then it goes for a vote. 
Now here's a time where you can potentially kill a bill. Not you in particular, but the legislative staff, if they really dislike the bill or feel that it would really harm their constituents. And it's called finding a point of order, and it's short for poo. And so there's certain requirements for a, a bill, like the name, the title, and the committee report. And if it's not on there, a, legis and a legislator can uh, bring it up and call a point of order, and it'll be reviewed by the parliamentarian who has all you know the rules for the House floor and have it sent back to committee and has to get voted upon again. This really pushes back the bill, and it goes makes it a longer process. When a bill is on the House floor, there can also be amendments added on to the bill, but the Texas legislature is a little bit different than Congress in that you can't really do any pork barreling, just adding random amendments along. Um, it must pertain to the subject of the bill, and if it doesn't, that amendment can't stay on, and there has to be a majority vote for the amendment to pass onto the bill. So if it gets voted out of the House, it now goes to the Senate, and you must have a Senate sponsor for that bill. Usually, um, the House and the Senator, the House rep and the Senator, uh, work together because they're working towards the same district and the same common goal, and that Senator will also sponsor the bill. It goes basically through the same process sent to a committee, placed on calendars, um, and then voted on. And the House side usually is very helpful to prepare the Senate um, and their staff for the committee hearing and the Senate floor debate. The Senate side can also add amendments to the bill. They can also filibuster bills. Um, and these filibustering usually occurs when they're really controversial bills and they're very close to the deadline of when all bills have to be passed because then they run out of time to talk about any other bills. Um, so let's say... It goes to the Senate, they add a couple of amendments, and now it goes all the way back to the House side. And the House votes, and they have to approve of the amendments. Or then it goes into a conference committee. So if it's a conference committee, you have five from each chamber, five from the House, five from the Senate, to finalize the bill and come to a compromise, and then vote it out of both chambers with a compromise version Basically, that happens on the last day, and then your bill is passed, but it's not done yet. It goes to the governor's um, mansion, and he will read on the bill, and if he signs it off, it's basically finalized. They're usually implemented September 1st of that uh, following the legislative session. And so, as you can tell, it's a very long and drawn-out process. That happens over a 140-day period. So this past legislative session, there were over 6,276 bills filed, and only 1,322 bills got passed. Out of those that got passed, 44 got vetoed by the governor. And there's really no time to override his veto because session's already over. Sometimes, especially during Rick Perry's governorship, the governor can call special sessions to tackle other major issues. This past legislative session, Governor Abbott didn't call one, but in the past, uh, Governor Perry has called several uh, special sessions. So now that you know the basics of how a bill becomes a law, what can we do as constituents? Where can we step in to have our voice heard on those bills that we like and dislike? 
So first of all, if you have a bill that you really would like uh, to get passed or want it to be brought up, you should start talking about it now. This is a perfect time because summer is about to hit. This gives your uh, legislator and their office plenty of time. You have a, they have like about six months to research and vet. And of course, you can help out as much as you'd like and try and figure out the best bill that they can draft. Also, once we hear of a bill in the news, for example, and if our representative is on that committee where that bill is, we can definitely call our representative and tell them, hey, I know this bill is in your committee. I really don't like it. Um, and you can explain your reason, ask them to vote no against the bill, or you can tell them that you like the bill, you want them to vote it out and vote it out to the House floor. And you can also attend the committee hearing for that bill, and you can talk about why you're for it, why you're against it. It is the legislature's duty to make sure that your voice is heard. That's why these committee hearings are held out to the public. But I do realize it's very difficult to go to Austin. These committee hearings run for hours and hours. There were several times, uh, you know, we wouldn't go home till 3, 4 in the morning because these committee hearings went on for a really long time. There's no set time limit. Um, and it is difficult to get to Austin on a weekday. And that's why lobbying groups um, work so well. So if you feel that there is a lobbying group that is something that you, you know, get along with their platform, you can hire them and tell them, hey, I don't really like this bill. This is going to hurt our community. I really want you to go and lobby hard for this bill or against this bill. And that's another way you can do it. But of course, that costs money. When a bill gets to the House floor or the Senate floor, you can call your representative to vote yes or no on the bill. That's another way to get your voice heard. And I'll tell you something. While working in the legislature, if a bill if there were phone calls coming in from our own constituents that affected my boss's district, we definitely took a tally and we definitely took count of who was for the bill, who was against the bill, and we made sure to tell a representative because at the end of the day, your representative is representing you and he wants to hear your voices. He wants to know that the way he's voting is in line to what his constituents want. The other thing is that some people sometimes call that aren't constituents into the office and it really doesn't make as big of an impact. And I know that a lot of people will post like, oh, look at this bill, it's on the floor and they'll call that representative saying, I don't like your bill X, Y, and Z. And while I understand that, you know, you wanna get your voice heard, but a lot of times the representative doesn't necessarily take into account calls that aren't from his district. So the best thing to do is always call the representative that is representing your district to get your message across and tell your representative, hey, I saw this bill is here. I want to make sure you're going to vote no on it or yes on it. And that is honestly the best way for you to get your um, voice across is to always keep in touch with your representative. Always tell them how you feel about certain bills. And sometimes, you know, there are a lot of South Asians Muslims, Hindus, and Sikhs in a certain area, and you may not like what your representative is doing, you can always organize a phone bank at your house, and you guys can all collectively call at a time or call other constituents and tell them, hey, this bill is going on. It'd be great if you called your representative and told them no because of X, Y, and Z, or yes because of this and that. So those are some of the ways that you can get involved this upcoming legislative session 
to make sure that the bills that you um, will see in the news and come across, um, you know, that you get your voice heard. So I spoke about this topic because as a community, we're very unaware of how the system works. You know, there have been several times people will tell me, oh, you should pass this bill or that bill or, oh my God, that bill passed, like what can we do? And then it's, it's already too late. So I know it sounds like a very convoluted system and a lot of people complain, oh my God, it's so crazy or it's so much work, etc., etc." And I understand that and that's why I think it's so important that we formulate maybe a South Asian lobbying group that can kind of tag these bills, but hopefully that'll come in the future. But, you know, as I've said before, you have got to play the system in order to change the system. So if we're going to be listening to these bills that we don't like and we don't appreciate, we can't just sit back and just post things on social media. We need to take action. A great way to do that is to post on social media. Hey, if you're living in this district, this bill is about to be passed. Please call your representative. I think those are some of the great ways that we can get involved and talk to our representatives to tell them about certain bills that we are for and against. Again, if you have ideas for bills, this is a perfect time to speak to your representative and let them know which bills that you would be very interested in and tell them about what you would like to see happen in your district in the future. And that's my segment for today. I hope you all enjoyed this brief summary that I did about the bill process and how a bill becomes a law in the Texas legislature. Again, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me. Um, you can see my Facebook page, WiseUp, W-I-S-E-U-P. Same with my Twitter handle, W-I-S-E-U-P. You can contact me there. You can also go on my website, www.yiseuptx.com, and there's a contact page. You can put in your questions there. I would love for any feedback that you all have about understanding the process. The more we know, the better we can um, enhance our political engagement in the Texas legislature and local politics. So thanks again for tuning in. And again, don't forget to check out my social media accounts. And remember everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot.